This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 808, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, getting vaccinated, getting booster shots, stretching, drinking water, getting exercise, calling your mother for the Thanksgiving holiday, calling your grandmother if she's still around. Just basically living a good life best you can while it's out there. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 808. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and sitting in with me this week is my co-host, Dr. Ryan Haupt. Greetings! And Josh Flanagan is away at a turkey treatment center. We told him to take it easy, but he didn't listen. So now, are they treating the turkeys? Like, is he trying to help turkeys get better? At, like, no, what's he happening? ate too much turkey. Oh. He's, he's in recovery. We wish him a speedy, speedy, speedy recovery. Cryogenic tryptophan chamber? Yeah. I, meanwhile, am sick because there's a cold going around. The same cold that Josh had a few weeks ago. So there we go. It actually hurts to talk, which is great for a show like this. And who are we? We are a fanboy. And every week we read a bunch of comics. Oh, hey, by the way, happy Thanksgiving if you're in America. This is the Thanksgiving episode, the traditional episode Ryan and I usually do together. Yeah. So I'm looking forward, forward to that. And I hope you had a good holiday if you are in America. And I hope you had a good Thursday and Friday if you are everywhere else. I... I think this year, more more so than even last year, I had friends telling me they weren't doing a turkey, yourself included. And I just have to say, I don't support it. No, I, I didn't do a turkey because I didn't want a turkey. I wanted a turkey. It was a whole okay. other. This is the being sick. I got sick, people telling me that they prefer a ham. No, that, they're doing like buttermilk brine that's chicken. Lunacy, that's lunacy. We all know it's insane out here. It's insane out here. I unfortunately had to cancel my plans very um, sadly because I was sick and couldn't fly and couldn't go see my grandmother, which is. Terrible because I haven't seen her in years. So that was fun. Let's put that in the background and not think about that. And I made gravy. And say, who are we? We're a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the one they like the best. Call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books, the patron pick, the, some listener mail. We try to get them in there. And mostly we try to have fun for you and for and, us. And we try to get it over with so Connor can go back to bed. That's also true. I'm, I'm, I'm literally in my robe just ready to doff it and back to sleep. Here's your spoiler warning. There's going to be spoilers. Exercise some caution. This week, Ryan, you had the Thanksgiving pick. Yeah, and this was a, uh, by the time I'd gotten through most of my stack, it was pretty clear that the standout for me this week was Superman 78, number four, part four of the sixth issue miniseries, story by Robert Venditti, art by Wilfredo Torres, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by David Lanfear of A Larger World. Are you still reading this, Connor? Uh, yeah, this book is great. I mean, I, we talked about... Yeah, I think it's the... The most successful of this style that they've yeah, been doing. Yeah, we talked about that. You know, this is the companion book to Batman 89. Both books are sequels to those films, which is funny because they both had sequels. Um, and this one's doing it much better than 89 is. This one feels like, and it's funny because the, the Batman book's being written by the screenwriter of the movie. But this one feels like it's part of that world. It looks like it's part of that world. It has the, it, Wilfredo Torres, who I follow on Instagram, who's terrific. Uh, has been showing um, his art off for a while on his Instagram feed, and he's been trying very hard to cast specific actors in the roles. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and what's great is he his art. He's not like you know tracing of DVD or Blu-ray pause. You know, he's not referencing that. It's never not Christopher. It's Reaver still cartooning. At. Yeah, it's still cartooning, but it's always Christopher Reeve we're looking at. It's still cartooning, and it's always Gene Hackman, and it's always uh, Margot Kidder. Uh, Kidder. And here with Brainiac, he's cast uh, David Bowie, and I think that's oh, brilliant. Oh, interesting! Yeah, if you look on page seventeen, it's really clear. But he's trying to—he's basically trying to cast period appropriate actors in the roles that aren't weren't already cast. So, like, who would play Bowie in the seventies? Like, it would that's be smart. I mean, who would play Brainiac in the seventies? It'd be Bowie. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this book is terrific. I love this issue. I love this series. Uh, so in this issue, Superman is trapped in the bottle city of Kandor with his birth parents, Jorah and Lara L, and he gets basically elected to lead the city because they haven't had any new blood, no fresh ideas since they were first captured 
by Brainiac. So they have this, you know, ceremony where Marlon Brando waxes poetic about my son. And, <laughs> and I think Robert Vindy is doing a great job um, of capturing the voice of yes, the, the voice characters as they yeah. were performed by the actors. Because, like, Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor is nowhere near Lex Luthor in the comics that I'm used to. But it's a no. super fun take on the character that only kind of it works so well when it's Gene Hackman saying the greatest criminal mind of, you know. Yeah, it, it, I, I, you, you can't help but hear especially yeah. Hackman in your head with this dialogue. It's 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 terrific. And I really like this issue sort of brought back an element of Christopher Reeve's Superman that I always kind of liked is that he's kind of a clumsy oaf, yeah. a bit of a doofus. Um, so like when he's in his sp- uh, stark white Kryptonian robes and he's got the flute of the, the champagne liquid and it, he tries to take a drink and he dribbles it on his tunic. Yeah. Like that's, I love that beat just cause of just like, yeah, like he was, he's, he really is the farm boy uh, in this book. And, um, cause Clark is the real guy. Yeah. And I, I, I liked that. Uh, I liked his conversation with Lois where she thinks she's saving the day. And this, th- this portrayal of Lois um, it's it's true to Margot Kidder's performance, but it also to me has a lot of the Max Fleischer era Superman cartoons where it's just Lois throwing herself into trouble. Yeah. Um, in ways that is really fun for her character. And I, I like their conversation they had when he manages to get in touch um when Lex Luthor helps her get in touch with him and that she's like surprised that he's not eager to just, you know, get right back to Metropolis because he's trying to make a deal with Brainiac to save Metropolis. Um and then I, I loved the the final scene where he talks about um, his parents and how, you know, John and Martha Kent raised him to uh, handle things differently than his Kryptonian parents might have raised him to handle things. Right. And I thought that that was a really sweet moment. And, you know, he puts back on the Superman suit and says, you know, uh, all I've ever needed is a chance. And, and I just, man, that was like a fist pump, rah, rah, rah. That's and he's, the, he's like a little half smile on you know, yep. with, with the great uh, minimalist lines of Wilfredo Torres. I mean, this is a complete package book. I'm 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 actually really bummed it's only a six issue miniseries. I was thinking the same thing too. Yeah. I really wish this was an ongoing series because I just I, I want to have this in my life, in a time and place where Superman comics are spiraling into the abyss in terms for my enjoyment. This is um, this is a Superman comic I can count on every every month. And you know, as someone who's my age, Christopher Reeve, you know, is Superman and. Just to just to get to hang out with him. One of my favorite things from a few years ago is when Gary Frank would dress Superman and look like a Superman. Yep. And normally, I can get annoyed with 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 that happening in comics, but for whatever reason, it, because it's Christopher Reeve, I don't I don't mind. You know, I almost see him anyway, and every whenever I see Superman. So totally. I, I, but you're right. I do like the idea that Jor-El and Lara are like, no, we'll just stay in the bottle because they're, they're they've been bottled up by Brainiac, and we'll just stay here. We'll do science, and not not to do great science, but. We'll just stay here. We'll accept our situation, and we'll we'll make the best of it. And Clark's like, no, no, that's not how I was taught. So we're going to try to get out of here. And I thought that was great. Yeah, I mean, it it does speak to how the you know part of the reason Krypton fell was because it was complacent, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I did love the the little bit of acting that happened when Marlon Brando said that you know Lex Luthor's idea to contact Superman was brilliant, and he's just got his head in his hands, like, oh, don't ever tell him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you <please. said> that. <laughs> don't say it out loud. The only quibble I have with this book, and it is so minor, is just that like I have a hard time imagining how this movie how this movie would look using late seventies, early eighties special well, effects. Because that's what they're doing these kind of stories. Because the budget of comics being infinite, yeah, yeah, means that you know you can have a giant tentacled brainiac ship flying over Metropolis and it looks as real as every other element of the story. And that's the only thing where I kind of wonder. I'm like, man, I, obviously this you know wouldn't have worked as a movie because they didn't do it. But I just it. That's the benefit, right? It's you get to do these things that. You never would have done. That's why I liked the Smallville comic that came out after Smallville did so season eleven comic because they were able to do characters and stories they could never have done on the TV. You yeah, know, that's you a good might point. as well. You might as well play with it. it. It's always funny whenever Brainiac bottles up a city like he does at the end. He grabs the Metropolis and it's floating up to his ship. Is because Metropolis is way bigger than that. He just grabbed downtown. Right. <laughs> he basically grabbed like ten square blocks if you look at it. Of so. probably businesses that don't have many apartments, and so barely anybody lives there. Right. I mean, if also is it like nighttime? Like those are probably all closed. Yep. You just grabbed a bunch of empty real estate. But um, yeah, no, this book is terrific. And when you when I saw you made the pick, I said that that totally made sense. I mean, I don't know what I would have made this week. It's a good chance it would have been this one. This was one of my favorite ones of the week. So uh, there were there were a few potential contenders, but none of them really were, were came close to, to knocking this one off the pedestal. It just brings a lot of joy to the hearts of mm-hmm. Superman fans. I think the ones I know who are reading it anyway, 
And I hope that it's successful enough. And maybe we get a volume two. You know, I, I know that not every book is designed to, or should go on forever. And I, I know it's a particular form of selfishness to want that. But, you know, I'd be, I'd be really happy if they did some more of this because it's just a it's just a really well, well done book. And if they treat it, and if they use the six issue miniseries format to make it feel more like a, a movie, and right. then you know the next six issues is the sequel to the, whatever this movie is, right. I could I could get behind that model of doing yeah. it. I just do I do want to spend more time in this world with these characters, especially with Wilfredo Torres on the art duties. Yeah, I mean, I love is it uh, Jose Quinones or Joe Quinones? Joe Quinones, and uh, he's great on Batman. But there's just something about the Wilfredo Torres art here that really really works. The minimalism. The fidelity of the of the actors without it being slavish to their appearance. It's just it's just right. perfect perfect for this. You know, he gets and he gets the like he gets the body types and the the facial features just right enough. Like the his Superman is still kind of lanky. He's not super overly muscled. Yeah, yeah. The suit doesn't it doesn't look like he's got a painted on super suit. He's wearing the clothes. Like yeah, yeah, and it doesn't look like he's wearing armor. He's just got a cloth suit on. And the color, yes. I mean, the colors just pop perfectly. Jordy Bellow's doing a great job too. Superman so. doesn't need armor. No, he's invincible. He's a superb man. So uh, this was terrific. And, you know, there's always a lot of books on Thanksgiving. They just dump a lot of books. Cause think, I don't know if they're thinking that you got time off. You know, the majority of the audience is in America. But not if you got a podcast to do. So yeah. uh, we had a couple of number ones this week. Black Panther number one from John Ridley and Juan Cabal. The, the Cabal of Wands. Frederico Blee, Joseph Bino. Did you read the f- previous series, the the Black Panther in Space series? No, I read a few issues of it, and then I couldn't I couldn't keep up, so I dropped off. I didn't either. Josh read it, but I did not read it. Uh, this is also Legacy issue one ninety eight, by the way. So I was a little lost for some of it because it was it's, this is not really a clean slate. It's playing off of whatever was going on with Black Panther, Emperor of Space, Wakanda Space. But I thought this was really really good. I liked this quite a bit. I was I'm a little worried. I have been a little worried that they were going to sideline T'Challa in the books. Right, to kind of make up for the absence of Chadwick. Which is, you know, it was a terrible tragedy for everyone. But don't let that affect the character that's been around for, for 50 years, you know. So yeah. uh, I'm glad he's not being sidelined. I'm glad it's not like Shuri, Black Panther. Um, which we've done But done this, before. I mean, this characterization of Black Panther was a little different than the characterization I've seen before in that he's really, uh, so in this issue, Wakanda has uh, transitioned to a parliamentary system and now yep. he's sort of monarch in name only. Um, and he's kind of pissed about it. <laughs> and like, I'd not really seen a black Panther that uh, or T'Challa, I guess that was sort of frustrated that he didn't have more authority and control. Um, that was yeah. I mean, this is all about frustrated T'Challa, right? So he, right. He's sitting in his parliament, parliamentary meetings. He's got no control, no authority. He can, make suggestions, but they don't really have to listen to him. So he just gets fed up and leaves. Well, my favorite is when they, when they asked for his perspective instead of his directive. And he said, my perspective is that you should return the matter to committee where they can convene a panel to further discuss potential proposals to be examined at a later date. And no, I'm not going to do the accent, but yeah. uh, I, I just was like, man, I have spent enough time in, in political situations in DC where I'm like, that is a sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was great. Meanwhile, he had, I think it was 10 sleeper agents all around the, the world that were embedded undercover to be activated should they need to be activated to protect Wakanda's interests and someone is killing them. And the only person that knows about them is, 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 is T'Challa himself. So, and he tells Shuri in this issue. And there's a, there's a, yeah, he does. There's, there's a lot of really fun political intrigue. And then at the end, well, it opens with an adventure, with, a mini adventure with the Avengers, with with Captain America and Thor, and yeah, and he and Cap had a weird. I thought that exchange was very that exchange was very odd to me. That Cap would be like kind of browbeating T'Challa over his role in the Avengers. Yeah, which I guess it pays it pays off later, but it still to me it rang a little false that that would be how Cap would talk to T'Challa. I agree. I think it was the only false note in the comic was that Cap's like, uh, "You're supposed to be the chairman, and you're never around. What's the deal? Why do you suck?" and Right. It's like, well, well it gets back to that thing that you and Josh have talked about where it's like, you don't need to introduce the idea that these guys don't have enough time to do everything. Yeah. Because if it you, make sense. If, yeah, you if you give into that conceit, then you're going to break the entire universe. Right. Because there shouldn't be any way that anyone can get as much done in a day as they all get done in a day. You just have to accept that they can. And so at the end, he, he calls Cap and says, hey, I'm stepping down from my chairmanship. I don't have time, even though I just told you earlier I did. And I, I get why they're doing it. They're, they're basically separating 
T'Challa out from everything he's been involved in. You know, he's no longer the king. He's no longer the chairman of the Avengers. He, Shuri's kind of pissed at him. He's got these sleeper agents. And he's sort of isolated and on his own now. I get why they're doing it. And I, and, and then the teaser issue has got him and Cap at odds, like about to punch each other. And that, that happened in another comic this week. I don't know if we're talking about Oh, yeah. Was it Hulk? I don't remember. But, it's, you know, it's just, and that's not lazy, but it's just like, let the heroes be the heroes. I don't need them to always be fighting each other. It's, it's such a Marvel thing. And I just, it's just kind of boring at this point. And one thing that I did think was cool is that the title uh, credits page and the page that had the preview for ne- ne- or the cover for next week um, mm-hmm. are using the colors and kind of rough style of the Pan-African flag. So that yeah. kind of uh, red, green, yellow yep. with like the pan- with the Panther logo in there. And I thought that was like, that's cool. All right. I like that. I mean, it's good. it was a good issue. I thought it was fun. I didn't love everything about it, but I did enjoy it enough that I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, and I did like on the final page that I... I I love um, post-breakup Storm and Black Panther. I love watching them interact, and so I'm excited. I don't think uh, I've ever actually she's... read any stories of them together. Well, she's in the kind of preview page for what's coming up. Right, I'm just saying I know there was a lot of discussion at the time where it's like, we'll take the two African characters and put them together, but does it make sense if they're together? Not Who cares? But I guess that's been so long ago, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, he hasn't been a bad roommate in a while. Yeah. We had another number one from Marvel Hulk, number one from Donny Cates and Ryan Otley, which I'd forgotten about, Frank Martin and Corey Pettit. And this was weird. I don't know how I feel about this other than it looked great. What, what did you think about it? It did look great. Um, I feel like we go through this cycle every once in a while with the Hulk where it's like, well, what if the what if Banner was really the bad guy? What if yeah, this is the comic I was talking about. Yeah, this is where suddenly Banner hates everybody. It's like, oh, these are your friends. They all respect you. He's like, no one respects what I... It's like, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, but I mean, artificial. you know, I, I've, I've worked with a lot of uh, academics in my life and the the idea that uh, no one appreciates me and my brilliance is, is not, uh, you know, doesn't always have to be grounded in truth, <laughs> I yeah. will say. Sometimes people just feel that way because that's how they feel. So this is the spoiler. If you haven't read the book, there's really no way to talk about it. It seems like, and it took a very careful reading with me to, to figure this out, and it could be because I was sick, but it seems like Banner has somehow turned Hulk into a spaceship. And he is the captain. He is the Captain Kirk sitting in his Captain Kirk chair in, in the Hulk's head, you know, uh, commanding the Hulk's body. Is that yes. what you got from this? Yes. So he's he's got um, he's separated his psyche into three parts. He's got exterior Hulk that he's augmented with Cybertech. He's got interior Banner psyche who's living in Hulk's head, steering him like a giant robot, uh, like a like a uh, Jaeger. And then he's got um, Rage Hulk who's like trapped in this mental jail where he's just constantly getting attacked, and it's that rage that keeps fueling the right. Ship. Rage Hulk's Rage Hulk is the engine. Yeah. So it's cool. Wow. It's it's. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting used. I'm getting. I feel like I'm getting used to Donny Cates coming on a book and taking a core tenet of the character and flipping it or twisting it just slightly enough where it's like that's weird, but it still kind of makes sense. And I, it's sometimes it's obvious enough that like, why hasn't someone done this before? So the, the obvious idea here is like, what if Hulk was protecting us from Banner? And I think that's right. that's interesting. That's clever, and I'm I'm curious to explore it. I think I think Josh and I read about ten issues of the Al Ewing Hulk uh, book. And I, I read I, I read it up into like the thirties or forties. I don't remember the conceit of that book. I remember it being really annoying, and I stopped reading. It, it was it was a horror book, and it was basically it was the Mortal Hulk, and it was a horror book. And the idea was that Bruce Banner only turns into Hulk at night. Well, yeah, that was, that's a, was that's horror. a long time Hulk thing. Okay, um, but I mean, I'm just saying they really leaned into that in this horror right. book. Was that like nighttime was for Hulk, and there was a. I think they eventually revealed that the the Hulk that he was turning into at night was a different Hulk than his normal Rage Hulk. Yeah, I just I just I just like Hulk stories. I don't really I don't need them to reinvent the wheel every time. Like Peter David did it, you know. He basically did all you can do with the psyche of Hulk. And so, just tell me some Hulk stories. Well, they still managed to get some 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 Ryan Otley Gore art. Oh yeah, there. no, I was really shocked when he, you know, the Hulk's arm was trapped and he pulled his or his hand was trapped. So he pulled his arm out and it, and it like ripped all the ripped. skin and bone and muscle, all the, not the bone, all the skin and muscle off of his forearm. And it was just these two femur, you know, femur bones. I was like, Oh God. Definitely the 
the radius and the ulna, not the femur, but that's fine. Well, it could be the femur. <laughs> you don't know how the Hulk's body's put together. Fair enough. I just, if I'm mapping it one-to-one on a typical primate, I can tell you what bones those were. So it was, I, I liked it mostly for the art, and we'll see where this goes. I just, you know, again, now now Banner hates everybody. The issue ends in a weird sp- spot, because he basically, he defeats a bunch of, uh, he defeats a bunch of Hulkbusters, and then there's like this celestial Iron Man armor with a portal in the chest where the Unibeam would come out, and he goes through that portal, and it's like, well... I thought you were going to go to space. I didn't realize you were doing like a dimension jump. So I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to come next on this book, which is both interesting, but also like it's weird for a number one to set up things in such a way where I have no idea what's coming in issue two. Right. The death of Dr. Strange. Number three. I am really enjoying this series. Yeah. Uh, so let me tell you who did it. <laughs> I realized <laughs> that if I added it to the script that I have to say those things. No, okay. Story by Jed McKay, art by Lee Garbutt, colors by Antonio Fabella and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I thought that the, the beginning of this book, you know, the end of the issue one was such an interesting position to put Dr. Strange and the magical community of Marvel into that. I've just really been enjoying the ride. I have, I've never read any of the old Ditko Dr. Strange right. comics. So I don't, I can't speak to how like, close this characterization of Ditko Dr. Mm-hmm. Strange is. I always felt like the early Dr. Strange books, he still had more of the, the regal I'm a, I'm a surgeon, I'm a sorcerer, I'm better yeah. than you attitude. And this, this way they're using him in this book, he is a much more humble um, character. Maybe he's been humbled by his own death. Yeah. I liked how he had to sort of manage his own autopsy without being able to, uh, do it himself. Do it yeah. himself because his hands aren't fixed. And I like that he talked later with Clea about how that really freaked him out. And I really loved their conversation um, while they were waiting for like the the Gopher Spirit to come back. Yeah, I just I just thought there were a lot of nice little bits of character work. Uh, they're introducing some really creepy elements into the Marvel Magic Universe. I love the idea that like this thing that's attacking them might just be like the feeding tentacle of a much larger being that exists outside of our ability to comprehend you know, sort of the, the Lovecraftian Cthulhu monster of you, you can't even, your brain cannot process what this thing is because it's right. so massive and otherworldly. So there's a lot of really cool ideas in here. I haven't been reading any of the tie-in books. I think I'm missing yeah. out on some of the, some of the story because I think this jumped ahead from where those where issue two. Oh, I did read, us, I read the but, Avengers one and I actually read this. Uh, and I read them both. I read, I read Avengers and I read Strange Academy. I guess, I mean, I don't know what White Sox is. White Fox? White Fox. Um, Blade, Black Knight. I don't know if I'm gonna read all of these, but I read the first two because I like those characters. I just hope this doesn't end with them moving him off the board. But I am enjoying this story. It's it's. I like the time displaced characters. I like that this guy's from the '60s Marvel world and he's in the modern world and doesn't know any of these characters. Although I don't know if that's accurate or not from their books, but maybe they just brought it from a really really early time in his career. Um, I really like. I like. Um, I think they've. Updated the Doctor Strange costume in some interesting ways, but I missed the the gloves with the dots on. Yeah, the, this costume, the the, the old costume is great with the sash, with the flowing sash. Like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, and the blue cape. It's it's a good book, and Lee Garbett's art's terrific. Yep. Yeah, he's a solid cartoonist and storyteller, and uh, you know it's been a fun little mystery, and there's a fun cliffhanger with Baron Mordo, who's looking very scared. So I'm, I'm enjoying yes. this. Yeah. Me too. Let's check in on the last time you were on the show. Pick of the week, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Deep Target, number two. Yeah, so this is a story by Brandon Thomas, art by Ronan Cliquet, uh, colors by Ulysses Ariola, and letters by Josh Reed. And I I think we both said we were really looking forward to issue two, and I think this issue had some problems. (laughs) You know, I think one of the big problems here is the, the faces, Mm -hmm. the character designs. They both have like the same beard. Almost all of yeah. different, but they both have the same sort of facial structure, heavy cheekbones, same eyes. And I guess that's sort of the joke, but every once in a while I was like, wait, which one am I looking at? And then, yeah, I just, I felt like there were some, some storytelling issues uh, that kept coming up in ways that I, uh, kind of kept taking me out of the story. So yeah, I just, it didn't, it didn't work for me as well as the first issue did. Do you notice, um, so they're in a, there's an extended plane sequence 
where I yeah. feel like the plane is out of control and going down for a very long time, such that I'm just like, how high up were you that you had this much time for the plane to be in you know, free fall before jumping out of it? And um, there's two pilots in the cockpit, and they only rescue one of them. I think the other one's dead. He's slumped over. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, he's... I just, again, like there were, there were issues like that where it's just like, I didn't, I guess I didn't catch that he was fully dead by that point, but it just felt odd to me that these two heroes wouldn't try to save the two. Right. There's no the conversation cockpit. where the, the co-pilot's like, yeah, he's dead. They just sort of grab the co-pilot and jump. It's like, well, what if the other guy yeah. wasn't dead? What if he was just passed out or knocked out? So, yeah, I, I'm not disliking it, this issue, but the, this issue is definitely worse than the first one. I think the first one had the, the benefit of the, of the sort of surprise the, the twist, whereas, you know, now that we know that. Also, then they, they immediately kill the co-pilot, too. Yeah, <laughs> like, they spend all this time rescuing him only to snap his neck accidentally almost right away. What are you going to do? I mean, is this, a, this can't be. It's, it's a seven-issue seven miniseries. Jeez. Well, it's a lot. A, I mean, there's, dino, there's dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are big. you got to fit them in there. I know, but jeez. So the issue ends with the, the dinosaur man villain from the first issue um, appearing to confront the two of them. And that I am interested in enough that I will keep reading this because I want to learn more about this dinosaur man. Yeah. Um, that, and so I'll, I'll be back. Well, he was the dinosaur man. From, yeah, we'll, we'll learn more about it. So you've been, you've been checking out Spine Tingling Spider-Man, uh, which is on the Marvel Universe app. Yes, on your recommendation. Thank you very much for um, suggesting I check it out. It is story by Saladin Ahmed, whose work I consistently enjoy. Art by Juan Ferreira and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Um yeah, this is this is great. It's super creepy. And I think that's the point. Yeah, I, 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 issue two I thought wasn't was the weakest issue of the three. Issue three I thought was much better. Issue one still I think is the best one, and I think it's because so this is one of Marvel's Infinity Comics. Uh, that's what they're calling mm-hmm. it. So it's it's a it's a scroller. It's it's like webtoons. It's how the kids are reading comics. It's how I assume you were reading your comics, Ryan. So you just it's an infinite scroller and. You know, like I had said last time, we can discuss another time whether that's what that means, whether that's actual comics. But it does allow them to do some interesting things. Although I think he, you know, in this issue and in the last one, I don't know if they've totally got how to utilize. It. I mean, when you're scrolling, you're scrolling down. The image is going mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. I feel like the action should always go down. Yeah. And so a couple of times, and, and it was worse in the second issue, but a couple of times here. Uh, the action's going up. Right. When the Well, like, there's a, there's a sequence where Spider-Man is jumping down while robots are firing up at him. But you don't actually see the robots firing up at him until the bottom of that scroll section. It's just... It, it's things just, like feel, that, yeah. You need, you need to follow the, the scroll. Now, you know, Juan Ferrer is Or at the, very, at the very least, in, in addition to the action going down, you also need to be moving forward in time as you go down. So if you're moving down you shouldn't see things that have happened right. before that moment right you know what i mean i don't I, it, it wasn't this issue but issue two he, remember he punched the villain who was a robot and the head went up and i was like well, no, this, is, this is this issue is it this one yep smythe uh, no it was oh, i'm scrolling here's you're here's sick, my other problem man. with this book you're sick my other problem with this book on. is there needs to be a button that says return to top Mm, interesting because like i was trying to get i was trying to show a panel to uh my wife and i was like hold on let me spend five minutes scrolling back to the top <laughs> oh yeah it is this issue he punches yeah the robot's head up and so you see the head first then you come down to the punch it has to be it has to be done reverse if you're following also, the action it doesn't that that also struck me because he was like he was surprised. He's like, wait a second, why did your head fall off? But then it's also just like, well, if you thought he was human Spider-Man, why'd you punch him that hard in the first place? <laughs> like, you He's still really would have probably... Yeah. Um, I like this. I think... I was thinking about this while I was catching up on these issues. And I think comics do creepy much better than they do horror. Hmm. And this book is very good at doing creepy. It almost has... And you're probably... Um, Old enough that you never got into this uh, whole thing of creepypastas. Do you ever, do you ever creepypasta? Connor? I don't know what the hell that is. Okay, so it's basically just scary stories on the internet, uh, usually written by teenagers, mm. <laughs> with mm. with about the skill of writing and depth of storytelling you could expect from teenagers. Right. But you know, they 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 it's it's where the whole Slenderman thing came from, right? So okay. it's like it's it is good at generating like a creepy sense of 
eeriness and capable of building a mythology, which is what happened with the Slenderman thing. And this has some of those vibes to me. So if, if people out there listening and you do creepypasta because you're not as old as Connor, uh, mm-hmm. you might want to check this out. It's good. Yeah, I think the, the art is amazing. Sometimes it looks like it's one for us drawing with a marker. It just looks really great. I just love how this this book looks. So if you're a Spider-Man fan or, and or a One Forever fan, you should check it out. Uh, if you're on Marvel Universe or a Marvel Unlimited, Spine Tingling. Is it Marvel Unlimited? I don't know what the name of anything, anything is. <laughs> what is yeah. Spine Tingling, Spider-Man, Marvel Unlimited. Radiant Black, number 10, story by Kyle Higgins, art by Marcelo Costa, colors by Igor Monti, and letters by Becca Carey. Um, I only put this in the script. I put this in the script for two reasons. One, I started reading it because you and... Um, you and Josh were talking about it and singing its praises. And so I was like, Oh, I better check this out. I really enjoyed it. Really mm-hmm. enjoyed catching up on it. Mm-hmm. But then the last issue that came out, uh, issue nine, you guys were kind of down on. And so I wanted to come on, on board and say, I actually still am really digging this and am not down on it at all. And yeah. so I, um, and this issue 10, uh, miles, our main character is going, basically going into like some sort of the, whatever higher plane of existence, these powers that they all have from these mini black holes are tied to right. and sort of going on a, a, a cosmic hero's quest that everyone keeps telling him, you are going to fail. You are going to die. You are not going to be able to save your friend. And he keeps saying, I don't care. I'm going to get my buddy Nathan out of here. Um, I don't, you know, I'll sacrifice whatever it takes up to and including himself. I think he right. fully expects that he will trade his own life for Nathan's yeah. because he perceives that Nathan is the better person. And they have a really strong emotional exchange towards the end of the issue where they kind of come to terms with their relationship and, mm-hmm. It almost, I almost couldn't tell if Miles was like, when he says he loves Nathan, like, what is he really talking about? Like, is this brotherly love or is this something more? Um, I'd be curious to see if they explore that. I also thought the art on this was really good. I think these sort of trippy headspace, otherworldly issues can often just kind of descend into gobbledygook. And this, to me, the art was still really strong in ways that I enjoyed looking at it. I also think it's so cool that in the last couple of years, Connor, mm. thanks to your boy, Christopher Nolan, we now have a new understanding of what black holes actually look like when you visualize them. And they're leaning into that in the design of all these characters. And how neat is that? Well, yeah, this is okay. The one, the one last thing I have to say about this is um, I tricked you. This is a secret go, go power corner, oh, go, no. go power corner. Cause you guys no. said that like radiant black is like really green lantern. No, 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 no. This is power Rangers, sir. This is a multicolored team of individuals with slightly different oh, no, skills. He said that at the beginning. Cause he was, he, he used to write power Rangers. Yeah. So this is secret power corner. Go, go yeah. power corner. Yeah. I'm, I, I want to see what the next issue is all about before I commit to reading anymore. You just have to you have to admit that this is part of Power Corner now. I don't have to admit anything. Well, I think the the, the viewers out there know that okay. this is Power Corner. All right. Well, now moving on. <laughs> Different corner. Transformers corner. New corner just not, dr- dropping. This is not how I Transformers it Beast Wars number ten. The newest member of Transformer Corner. Uh, what corner is it transforming into? It's a cube. Who knows? Uh, Transformers Beast Wars number 10, written by Eric Burnham, art by Josh Burcham, letters by Jake M. Wood. Um, Connor, are you reading this book? No, I definitely am not. Okay, well then you just sit in the corner during Transformers Corner. Um, This is a book (laughs) that is, I I will die on this hill. This is Transformers Corner. Um, This is a book that is sort of taking the Beast Wars cartoon cgi cartoon show from my childhood and kind of starting the story from scratch retelling it with a lot of similar beats and most of the same characters but some interesting twists so um in this version of the telling each of the ships the maximal ship and the predacon ship both had an extra crew member that wasn't in the, sh- in the show the maximals have nix who is uh-huh. a, a bat uh transformer and the predacons have scold who is like a snapping turtle transformer so that's fun um, at this point in the story, we've just been introduced to Black Arachnia. You know very well, Connor, all about well, her story no. and the complications that come with that. Um, the cool thing about this series is the art by Josh Bertram. He's taking it. They've had a couple of guest artists who've like really tried to do the style of the TV show, but the style of the TV show is like early 2000s or late 90s, early 2000s CGI animation. So right. it's a little chunky. It's a little stiff. And um, Josh Bertram is basically doing a much more cartoony 
stylized version of all of the characters. So they don't look exactly like the toy or they would in the show, but they're all still very recognizable as their own characters. But um, I just think it's a really cool stylistic choice. I also think the show was a lot smarter than people give it credit for. And one of the coolest things that it introduced is that um, the golden discs that we put on the Voyager probes. Do you know about these, Connor? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So basically those are eventually recovered by Cybertronians, the the race of beings that become the Autobots, Decepticons, Maximals, and Predacons. And though they're able to use their transwarp drives, which allow them to go back in time, and then they can read the information off the golden disc to learn what's going to happen in the future. So it's sort of their Biff's sports almanac. Mm. Um, and I just think that's such a clever idea. So, so, Mega, so Megatron has stolen the golden disc. Both ships have crash landed on what we will probably eventually learn is sort of a, a ancient Earth. And um, yeah, the Beast Wars have begun. And uh this issue, Optimus Primal has decided to finally take the fight to the Predacons. So I think next issue we're going to get a showdown between him and Megatron. For the uh, it's going to be it's going to be great. This sounds awful. Go Beast Wars. It just I don't know what those half those words were. Transformers Corner over. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. There's a lot going on, but it is Thanksgiving, so we're we're cutting it cutting it cutting it down to the patron pick. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy is where every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown, and they they still voted during. During the holidays, so thank you for that. And this week's winner was by a wide margin. Joy Operations number one from Dark Horse, written by Brian Michael Bendis, drawn by Stephen Byrne, with letters by Joshua Reed. And now Jinx World, Brian Michael Bendis's uh, own indie label, has moved to Dark Horse. So it was at Marvel, and it was at DC, and it was at Image. Now it's at Dark Horse. So this is his newest uh, book. And generally speaking, I'm a I've been a big fan of Bendis's Jinx World books, especially the last, I mean, not especially all, mostly all of the ones that I've read. Um, and the last run he did with, with a cover and a couple other books, I really liked those books. Um, this one I didn't like so much. I liked it at first, and then by the end it had lost me. It seems like it's Lazarus mixed with Firestorm. A little yeah. Bit. So we have a female operative who's you know sort of. Or it's like a, it's like, it's like cyber cyberpunk Lazarus. Yeah, she's running around the you know this futuristic world, and she's the protector of this particular group, this trust, this family, and yeah. uh, she gets attacked by another protector, and that's where the sort of Lazarus thing comes in. It sounds like there's like a bunch of different protectors. I don't even know what they're called. Well, the Lazarus thing also comes into it in that, like, this is clearly a society run by corporations. Right. And the corporations are dynastic. So it's, you know, you got your your Logan Roy's and all that. Right. So she's got a voice in her head who's the narrator, who we think at first is her, but it turns out it's not her. It's another uh, protector. I don't, I just don't remember what the name of the protectors are. They're not Lazarus, obviously, but. Uh, envoys. Envoys. Ian another envoy. V-O-I. Yeah. Who is in her head from another family who's able to talk to her. And then the twist at the end is the envoy can also control her body. So and well, and, and the, like the envoy is trying to get uh, her to assassinate just didn't, her. There was just nothing in here that grabbed me. And that's unusual because Bendis usually has some kind of interesting twist or take or character or world, you know, that really hooks me right away. And this had, this there was almost nothing in here. And I like Stephen Byrne a lot. He's a terrific artist. They did the uh, Wonder Twins book together, at DC, but it just it, it just looked kind of bland. The character was kind of bland. The world was kind of bland, and I was really kind of shocked. If you had told me this was Bendis, I never in a million years would have would have known that. Yeah, I agree. And you know, when I first saw that the character, this lead character, was sort of an older woman with this super suit, I thought that that was cool because that's not a visual that we see very often. But then there was really nothing that came of that. Like it was no part of her personality or story that played into this interesting look. Um, right. And it, so yeah, the, I, I yeah. agree. She's just sort of, you know, there's nothing about her that I want to know more about. And yeah. It doesn't mean it's not there. They just haven't told us in this first issue. She's just running around the rooftops. And so I don't know what her story is. I don't know anything about this world. I just don't it know. It looked very slick. It looked sort of like a video game. Um, so it seems like it, it almost, yeah, it'd be a fun world to play in if I got to control this character, but I just reading about them, I'm not that currently that interested or invested. 
Yeah, I mean, it just it, it was bizarre. I mean, I was I was I was excited because I like I said in the beginning, I like Bendis' Jinx World stuff a lot. For the most part, probably like eight out of ten books I really really like. I liked Pearl a lot. I liked Cover a lot, but um, it was just weird. It was just a weird weird issue. Just it wasn't there wasn't a. Hope. And I, I fully I fully went into it thinking Brian Michael Bendis number one. This is definitely a, you know something I need to think about as pick, but it right. just didn't 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 sing for me. Yeah. So let's do ratings on Joy Operations number one from Dark Horse. Ratings. Out ratings. Of five stars. Ratings. Ratings. Two and a half. I was also thinking two and a half. It's very pretty to look at. Stephen yeah, Byrne did a great I job. I just found like that. I just think her costume design is kind of boring. Like I just think everything's about this book is boring, and I don't. I, it's a bummer. You sticking with it? Honestly, probably not. Unless, unless I hear that that like it got like amazing, I'll I'd go back. But doubtful, honestly. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. So there's your Patreon pick, patreon.com slash ifanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you're a patron, it gives it the $5 or higher level. You get your own superpower live on the show, like these two gentlemen. And our first patron's name is Jeff Shay, S-H-A-Y. Earlier on another episode, we had Jeff Shay, S-H-E-A, two Jeff Shays, spelled differently. Same Jeff Shea trying to get two powers. You decide. Tricky. I mean, he wouldn't be the first person who ended up with no. two powers. So if they're two different people, you should become friends and make a Jeff Shea club. It'd be awesome. But you should only let people in who spell the name differently. Everyone has to have a different spelling. Like you can have a, a G-E-O-F-F Shea. You know? Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of spellings that exist. So anyway, Jeff Shea is a patron. And his power, also his superhero name, is the highlighter. And what that means is not only can he highlight text with his fingers, but he can highlight anything for you. So, like, what should I know about this? Here's the highlights. A book, a movie, a a game, a news story, someone's personal anecdote. Oh, my God. I got cornered by Brian at the party. He told me about it. Talked to me about an hour for sloths. And what's the highlights? Well, here's the highlights. Jeff is Jeff has all the highlights. People are delighted when they learn about Sloss from your parties. I'll have you know. <laughs> well, the highlights are important. <laughs> I guess. But I feel like if you wanted to highlight all the cool things about Sloss, you just have to repeat everything I said, because nothing I said isn't that's true. part that's of the highlights. True. But that's I mean, that sounds like a useful power. What about like physically highlighting things? Like can his finger be used as a highlighter? Yeah, he can physically highlight text with his finger. So he but. can so anything, so he can both pull out the most relevant information from a given encounter or story or event, but he can also physically highlight things. Yes. What colors are available to him? Just, just this fluorescent yellow. Just the fluorescent yellow. Yeah. Okay. Because it's it's gonna That's be the cool. most important. He's only gonna highlight the one thing that's most important. Sure. Know? Yeah, it's not like he needs multiple types of highlights because, like, sometimes when I'm reading a book, sure, there's like pink, if, I, if, I, if there's blue, yeah. If there's like, I'll have different highlights for like, this is a section I want to highlight because I thought it was interesting and well written. Whereas sometimes I'll highlight, like I'll, I'll do a blue highlight if I have to look up a word and then I'm like, Ooh. oh, I'm learning a new word here. I'm going to highlight that word. Okay. How about that? He can only do the yellow though. Lance Kaminsky. Also, his power also comes with a superhero name. Okay. Lance Kaminsky is the water bear. Okay. He can, and um, you may remember learning about water bears when I wrote an article about, um, animal superheroes. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of taking a page out of that book, but I'm, I'm putting a twist on it. Um, so as the water bear, Lance Kaminsky can go into a state of cryptobiosis where he completely dehydrates himself. And there's just a little husk of Lance that's in stasis, yeah. a metabolic stasis that he can exist as sort of a mummified version of himself in extreme conditions, outer uh-huh. space, very hot, very cold, frozen. Yeah. Radiation, all of that. Nothing will kill him when he's in his cryptobiosis state, but he is just kind of this dried husk of a mummy. And then as soon as somebody puts some water on him, pop, he's back. Lance wow, back. so he's like uh, one of those, like, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Freeze-dried? No. Uh, what's it called when you put, it's just out of water. Instant noodles? <laughs> There's a word for it, though. A, Dehi- a- I mean, people... He's dehydrated. And, you know, he the, the cryptobiosis, he does like he squeezes all the water out of his body. And so he's like this dry. He, he looks dead. Wow. Uh, great for playing pranks. 
but he is alive. And in that state, he it's very difficult. It would be very difficult to actually kill him. How much water? Uh, like most of his body's water would be. Ex- right, but how much water know, do you need to pour out? on him to wake him up? Oh, just a bit. Just splash. Get a little splash. Just a splash of water until he rehydrates. Light rain. He, I mean, he might need to get a glass of water once he's up and moving around again to finish the process. But to act to get him restarted, it just takes a you know face full of a cup, cup of water into the face. He would start to wake up. He might need to go soak in the tub for a minute or two to fully rehydrate. But you know that's enough to get him going. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's where you can go. You can vote to add a book to the rundown. You can superpowers live on the show, and that's how you can help support ifanboy. Uh, that's how we are done here. We're listener supported. We, uh, Can you imagine we, giving a Halloween candy if you were just sitting there like looking dead, and then the the said instruction said like splash a cup of water on me for candy, and then like you brought this mummy thing back to life? It'd be great. The cops would be Lance gonna have a lot of fun. <laughs> Sorry, Lance. Sorry we are listener supported. We thank everyone who does support us, especially the patrons. Uh, the patrons have over the years unlocked a lot of shows that you listen to now. They unlocked the talks explodes, the books explodes, the media explodes. They unlocked the YouTube content that's currently being uploaded to our YouTube page. They unlocked the patron pick. They have their own monthly hangout that they unlocked. They've unlocked a lot of free fun stuff that we do every month. And our next stretch goal is we'll start covering comic book TV shows again. We stopped doing that a couple years ago. There's just so many of them. And I'm of the, Josh and I, I'm the only one who watches them, basically. So we stopped, but we'll bring them back if we had our next stretch goal. And after that is the return of the barbecue uh, video uh, show that we answer emails and cook meat. We'll do that on a quarterly basis. Those are our next two stretch goals. Patreon.com slash fanboys where you can help out get to that point and we thank everyone who does that we truly do uh we hope to make it worth, worth your while also fmy.threadless.com that's where we have our t-shirt designs you can get those designs and things other than t-shirts but most people get t-shirts we've got 11 shirts a fanboy logo herm pickle podcast ratings if one is electro gdat nothing makes sense nothing matters stay home and read comics power responsibility clint is dead and i love comics and guess what we got a new design coming in december just approved it just uploaded it to the store Wow, we're gonna unveil it. I think during our patron hangout next week. This is news to me. I, I wasn't yeah. consulted. It was new. It's a new design. <laughs> so we have that one coming in December. That'll be our twelfth. We have an th- idea for a thirteenth one, but that's going to be a while till we unveil that one because we did we did a bunch this year. So check those out at fanboy.threadless.com. Oh, we're having a sale right now. Well, not we. Threadless is having a sale right now. It's Black Friday time. I believe until December thirtieth. So if you're listening to this when the show comes out, you got a couple of days. Regular t-shirts are $12, normally $20, and everything Ooh. else is 10% off the store. So have to stock up. If you were thinking about buying a t-shirt and haven't done so yet, or you want to buy a Clint is Dead t-shirt for your grandmother for Christmas, now's the time to do it at fanboy.threadless.com. Until December 30th, there's a sale going on. Fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can directly donate via PayPal. Again, uh, if you're an eccentric billionaire and you want to donate a large sum of money but are worried about the tax implications or the paperwork involved, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it all. And fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to the books we talk about in Booksplode, as well as the general shopping link. It is the holiday time if you want to do your shopping through there. We do appreciate that. And those are all the ways that listeners help support the show. We do thank you uh, very much. Everyone does that throughout the year, and uh, we couldn't do the show without you. Let's do a listener question. Okay, I'll read it. Okay. Rashad B. wants to know, given the sliding age scale, is Dick Grayson a better fighter than Bruce Wayne was when he was the same age? Question mark. Good question. I read this one early, so I would have time to think about it, but I, I think we have to defer to Connor first on this one. Uh, well, I guess the question is, how old is Dick Grayson, and what, I don't even, what I don't is get, your continuity I, for Bruce Wayne? So those are the two questions I mean, you have to answer first. I kind of don't, I don't want to factor in the sliding age scale, because I feel like part of the conceit of at least Nightwing-aged Dick Grayson and Batman is that they are both in peak physical condition. Right, so like... So you almost... You almost don't need to worry about the age. Like most things, like we talked about earlier with time, it doesn't make any sense. You know, if Batman right. was 27 in Batman year one, I think that's how old they said he was when he came back from abroad. Uh, you know, Dick Grayson was eight, when, eight. He was, when he was brought on a couple of years later. You know, if he's 20-something now, Bat Bruce would be in his late 40s, 50s, but he's clearly really not. Because, again, none of it makes sense. Nothing, none of it matters. He's he also been to. through half a dozen Robins and is still in his mid-30s. Right. So, so if you say – my continuity has Batman year one as a, is, is in my continuity. So he's 27 when he's okay. first Batman. And he's terrible. If you recall that story, he got beat up a lot. He got stabbed in the leg. You know, he almost died. So he's not a good fighter in his late 20s. Whereas Dick Grayson is a, a world class fighter, so I, you know, I'd have to say 
if you take them both in their nebulous 20s, Dick Grayson is a better fighter than Bruce Wayne was at the same age. I think there are still some key differences, though. I remember there was an issue where Catwoman and Nightwing fought, and one of the comments she made was that, like, you're a hair faster than him. Right. But just a hair, like just a, you know, it's a game of inches between the two of them. And so like in my, in my continuity, their styles are different enough. You know, Nightwing is flamboyant. He's showy. He's jumping around. He's acrobatic. Bruce is not fully a bruiser, but he's like a much more powerful. He's powerful in ways that, and so it's sort of in the D and D scheme, you know, Bruce would have a higher strength modifier, higher strength score. Whereas Dick would clearly have a higher, um, acrobatics or, or uh, a dexterity, dexterity modifier. So um, like in my D&D game right now, I'm actually playing a character that is based off of Dick Grayson. His name is Grayson and he's an Eric Rokin monk. So he's like a bird person <laughs> monk and he's extremely dexterous and he jumps around. And he's very acrobatic. And if I was going to build a Bruce Wayne character, I wouldn't build that same character. I would build somebody who fights in a completely different way using different abilities. Um, so I think there's that to consider as well. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, Bruce, went around the world training and, you know, mastered all kinds of different fighting styles. But when he got, came back to Gotham to apply them, he hadn't really applied them in the real world so much, again, at least in year one, which is my continuity. So he, was, he wasn't quite there yet. Whereas Dick, you know, started training when he was eight and... Uh, and now, you know, he's started got, training to to be a crime fighter when he was eight, but had been trained as an acrobat right, basically for from that. birth. So he has a he has a leg up on Bruce in terms of whereas Bruce, when he was doing his travels around the world, he wasn't only doing martial arts training. He was also getting trained by other detectives and yeah, trackers to to and mercenaries to so learn was, forensics. Like there yeah. were lots of things going on. He was learning other skills besides just fighting, whereas Which I feel like Dick, Dick was also was learning, always, to be fair. He was true. also learning those things. But I don't think anyone would argue that that Dick has the better mind than Bruce. No, for sure. Um, you know, he's just not as good as a detective. Tim was the better detective than than Dick is. But I think if you just go straight up, like age Bruce down to Dick's age, uh, Dick's probably the better fighter. But not by much. It's just, it's, again, it just depends. If it's Bruce, if it's if it's Dick fighting year one Bruce, then Dick's going to win easily. Easily, yeah. yeah. But. But I still think it's the sort of thing where it's like, if Bruce could land a punch on Dick, I bet he could do some damage, but I think he would have trouble getting, you know, actually landing a punch. I'd like to see Jorge Fornas draw that story since David Matichelli <laughs> won't do it. So uh, Jorge Fornas, Tom King, make that your next 12-issue miniseries. Bruce Wayne, <laughs> Bruce Wayne is aged down and has to fight Dick Grayson for some reason. He like he like slips and falls in a Lazarus pit, but like yeah. just for a second. And so he like gets dropped down a few years, but not all the way. And yeah, yeah. I, would, I would read that. Thanks, Rashad B. ContactGuyFanboy.com is where you can write in for the this show or for the Media Explode. All right, let's do some quick plugs and announcements and then get out of here. Get back to our families in the holiday time. So out now behind this show on the feed is our Media Explode, our last Media Explode of the year, where Josh and Ron and I talked about uh, holiday media traditions, and we spent a lot of time talking about movies in different decades and our favorites from different decades and the best decade for film. It was a really good discussion, I thought, about movies. Also... Right behind this show, came out right before, uh, or just a couple days ago, right before the holidays, we released two special edition shows. One, in which Josh, Paul, and I talked about Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and then where Josh and I talked about Eternals. Uh, two, two very different discussions, although we both talked, at the end of them, talked about what does the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe look like now, and I thought they were both interesting. Um, and so check those out. They're on the feed behind this one. So now, we, as we talked about before, we're entering the holiday schedule. So things are a little bit different for the next couple of weeks until we go on holiday break. There's going to be a lot of shows, though. I think there's six shows coming out. One, two, three, four, five, six shows coming out in the next three weeks. Uh, in a couple of days, well, next this coming week on Thursday, you're going to have our Avengers Forever Booksplode. Josh and I talked about the Kurt Busiek, Carlos Pacheco classic, Kang. It's all Kang, Kang-tastic. That's coming out on December 2nd. Our final patron hangout of the year, if you're a patron, is going to be Saturday, December 4th. Uh, then we have two more Pick of the Week shows before the end of the year. Uh, Pick of the Week 809 is coming out on December 5th. Pick of the Week 810, December 12th. In between that, we have another book explode because we accidentally skipped a month. We're going to talk about Death of Captain Marvel, the classic story from Jim Starlin. That's coming out on December 9th. Josh's final talk explode of the year, 
So it'll hopefully come out on December 16th. We say hopefully just because they haven't recorded it yet. And you never know with guests. And then our final show of the year, as always, is our all-media year and special that comes out on December 18th. And then we go on holiday break, and we'll be back with Pick of the Week 8-11 on January 9th. So that is the holiday schedule. That's what you can look forward to. And we hope you enjoy uh, all the shows we've got coming for you in the next few, day, few weeks. I do a podcast called Science Sort Of. We have a two-episode series coming up that should be pretty cool. It's going to be about like the future of transportation and how we can electrify the way we move around the world, including things like air travel. Uh, talk to some folks at National Geographic about a recent uh, cover story on those topics. So that should be a fun one to look forward to. Uh, Sciencesword.com or wherever you get your podcasts where you can check that out. What's the biggest hurdle wanna... to electrifying planes? That batteries are heavy and planes need to be light. Mm, <laughs> Basically is what it comes down to. That's a big problem. <laughs> um, yeah. It's gas. Your, your uh, energy to weight ratio for yeah. something like gasoline is just so much higher than a uh, lithium yeah, right. battery. Yeah, right. So, um, well, I'm not right. I asked an expert and they told me. <laughs> what if <laughs> so we just added giant know. fans onto the back of the plane? There you go. And why don't they just put a parachute on the plane? Right. Giant parachute <sighs> on the top of the plane. So if anything goes wrong, it just deploys. And why don't they make the plane out of the black box? Exactly. Right. Uh, I suggested the return of Zeppelin travel, which I think would be very, uh, very fun. Right. I don't know why you don't invite me on these shows. I've got so much to offer. It, clearly, I, I, it's a, a huge misstep that I have not brought you into the science sort of fold. We can, we can correct that. We had Tom Caters on back in the day. Well, he's <laughs> going more offer than I do. He was, well, he, well, he flash, was working. He was working. Uh, he was working in science yeah. research grants for a while. I did not know that. That didn't come up. Yeah. Funnily enough. Well, that was probably before that. Though, after that, I, I have a, uh, I have a quick synopsis of my viewing of Shang Chi, if I may. Yeah, sure. Uh, it is the story of a grieving parent who uh -huh. gets taken in by conspiracy theories and then won't listen to his kids when they tell him that he's wrong. So he fucks around, finds out, and it ends up getting him killed and leaving the world a worse place for his children, which I think is pretty on point for our cultural moment. That's not wrong. Do you have, do you have, <laughs> do you have thoughts on, the, on, on, on Eternals? I have not seen Eternals yet. Okay. So. All right. Well, in the meantime, head over to fanboy.com. You can find all the shows I just mentioned over there, including our, and as well as our vast history of comic book writing for many, many years. I think it was, uh, I think we have eight years worth of writing on there from all of our various writers, including Ryan Haupt. What was the article you mentioned earlier you wrote about? Bears? Uh, animals who I would like to see superheroes and supervillains based off of, and I basically created origin stories. And then there's a follow-up article where one of the, the visitors to the website, who is an artist, actually drew them all for me, which was awesome. So there you go. Those are all over at fanboy.com. You can like facebook.com slash fanboy or follow at fanboy on Twitter or at fanboycomics on Instagram. That's you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. Individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and Ryan Haupt on Instagram and Haupt on Twitter. And you, you can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash fanboy. Keep up to date on our old video show re-uploads. This past week we had the mini was it came from the storage unit, Fantastic Four 281-1985. That's where I take an old comic out of my storage unit, try to guess the plot based on the cover. Uh, we had a, a show, full-length show on comic book origins, uh, good ones, bad ones, funny ones, the best ones. And then uh, this on Friday, we had San Diego Comic-Con 2010 Anthology Part 1, in which we were looking forward to the Comic-Con, giving you tips and, and things to look out for, what to bring with you, how to act if you've never been. And that was fun. And I, we talked about it before, the full-length shows are going to end this month. We'll have our, upload our last full-length show on December 31st. So after that, it'll be just to be all minis for a little while. Then we'll have everything uploaded. Everything from our, missing from our old days at Refrigeration 3 will be uploaded. I want to tell you that if you dig the show, it's super helpful to write a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts or even wherever you don't get your podcasts. Just go leave ratings, yeah. hit yeah. the like button on YouTube. Just generally spread good yeah. feelings not, around. Not graffiti. I would say take like a post-it notes and write your, your review and then slap that on things. Uh, maybe, you know, write out your review on a Word doc, print that out, and then post it on the, the pegboard at your local coffee shop. True. Fair and, enough. And, um, you know, include the iFanboy logo so people know how to find it when they search for it. That's going to help. Yeah. Um, this is also a time of year where you're probably going to be seeing friends and family that you don't see other times of the years. And so if it comes up, if they ask what you've been into, how you've been keeping busy, what you've been listening to, you can tell them that you've been listening to iFanboy. And uh, that might help them find the show and learn that they, too, enjoy the two jamokes talking about <laughs> comics and other things that come up. Uh, well, I hope, I hope it was helpful over your Thanksgiving holiday dinner and it wasn't a, uh, you know, instead of fighting about QAnon, you were just like, let's talk about, let's talk about Darkhawk and what these guys yeah, think hey, about Darkhawk. 
did you know that that this guy is drawn to look like Christopher Reeve? That's neat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's also a time of year where you might want to tip your letter carrier for doing such a good job all year, especially given the extent, the the really tough circumstances we've all went under. Maybe as part of that tip, that plate of cookies, that box of chocolates, just a little thumb drive with all the episodes on it. (laughs) So I'm going to keep advocating for random thumb drives to strangers full of iFanboy episodes so you can help us spread the iFanboy love. All right. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. My name is Connor. Talk to you soon. My name is Ryan. You stay safe out there. Josh, keep helping those turkeys. Hey!